Until the destruction of the temple in 70 AD, Passover was a pilgrim festival. People traveling to the Jerusalem temple from all over. Two parts were involved at Passover. The ritual slaughter of sheep at the temple with the blood sprinkled against the altar and the Holy of Holies and a household meal remembering the exodus from Egypt. You see, Moses had returned from exile in the Sinai wilderness, not only with a new vision of God, but with a new diet we call kosher. So while the Habiru slaves were eating lamb, Egyptians were eating their favorite meat, pork, resulting in an epidemic of trichinosis, not unlike the coronavirus we're experiencing. Not understanding the mystery of Egyptian deaths not touching the Habiru slaves, Pharaoh, the story goes, was happy to let them go. Blood on doors and lentils had nothing to do with the angel of death passing over them, the origin of the word Passover. It was a subtle symbol identifying the several hundred families who, having butchered their lambs, were leaving the next day with Moses. To travel light in order to stay ahead of the Egyptian army and get across the Sea of Reeds, the Red Sea, Moses didn't allow anyone even to carry small ceramic jars, which meant carrying no yeast with them. So, the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. With the destruction of the temple, Passover ceased being a sacrificial rite, but continued as a sacred memory of God's redemption. Ancient Israel's Fourth of July, its festival of freedom. But Jesus' Last Supper with his disciples was not, as many have believed, a Passover meal. That ritual would have involved lamb with bitter herbs and spices and a retelling of the exodus from Egypt. Since the Feast of the Unleavened Bread had to be eaten hurriedly before the lamb could be sacrificed, it's easy to see as theology evolved with the passing years, how the early church could identify the Passover ritual with the death of Jesus, the Lamb of God. The Last Supper may have taken place during the Passover season, but that supper was probably the meal that Jesus and his disciples ate every day, unleavened bread with wine, too poor to have yeast bread, and water wasn't always safe to drink there in those days. Several crucial thoughts to consider as we remember Monday Thursday and its commemoration of that Last Supper, its roots and the origin of the Eucharist. Remember, the Gospels were written in hindsight. The writers knew how things evolved, knew how the story ended. Trouble is, as Jesus was transformed more and more into the divine Christ, he became less and less a human being. The stories were written as if Jesus knew all along what was going to happen to him. But that substitutes knowledge for faith, makes Jesus less courageous, makes the crucifixion a setup job. I don't believe Jesus knew what was going to happen how his life would end, any more than any of us know if and how we'll survive the coronavirus. I believe Jesus' disciples, first century Hebrews, 
remembered that meal in a very different way. And not just because it was the last meal they shared with him. I think events played out something like this. Jesus was in trouble. He knew that. His disciples knew that. Why? The merchant area of the temple complex was where secular money was traded for sacred coins of the temple. That's how the system worked. What offended Jesus was finding the money changers cheating the Passover pilgrims. And he suddenly began overturning their tables, an unexpected act of courage on behalf of the common people. Now, Passover was almost always a time of tension anyway. So Jesus' actions placed him on Rome's radar, not a good place to be if you valued your life. That night, I'm sure you could feel the tension in that upper room where they met for dinner. With their left elbows leaning on pillows, as was the custom, freeing their right hands, the clean hands, to eat and drink from a low-lying table, they probably dined with enormous tension in the air. Fear was in that upper room. The atmosphere was more like the quiet music from Les Miserables before the battle between the poor people and the French guard, a song which echoes in my brain. Now, as leader of his 12 disciples, it was probably Jesus who finally broke the silence. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but whatever happens, I hope you'll continue. When you break bread together, I hope you'll remember me. Remember our relationships, our life together, what I've taught you. Remember our vision of the kingdom. Remember. Same words spoken quietly with the first sip of wine. No liturgical moment, just whenever you drink this together, which you will remember. Recently, an Anglican priest from Iraq wrote, you and I know that without the cross, there is no salvation. Without the suffering of Good Friday, we wouldn't have the joy of our Lord's resurrection at Easter. Classic Christology, for sure. But may I suggest an additional thought? The cross is the way Jesus was killed. But the standard Christian symbol in the earliest days was not the cross as it is today. It was a fish. Because the Greek word for fish, ichthus, formed the initials for Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior. During times of persecution, when it was illegal to be a Christian, Followers of Jesus could identify themselves by casually drawing a fish in the sand or on the wall. So the gateway to the experience of resurrection that first Easter was not just the cross, but a meal. That simple meal of bread and wine. The memory of their three years together, what they did every day, first, I believe, triggered the realization, the dawning of Easter. That word, remember, 
was the opposite of dismember, which should have happened when their leader was killed by the Romans as a common criminal. After the cross had done its worst, it was the meal that put the body back together, remembered, became crucial to all that happened as on the road to Emmaus, those two disciples remembered and saw the risen Lord in the breaking of the bread. So it is for us. Monday, Thursday, which is so often neglected, goes far beyond mere sentiment to become the gateway to Easter as we in our time remember, transforming the life and death of the human Jesus into faith in the risen Lord, the Christ, becoming, continuing his body in the year 2020. At the breaking of the bread on Easter Sunday, separated from each other, sheltering for safety in our homes, we will hear Bishop Lucinda say, Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. And joyfully, we can respond, raising the roof, as we shout, therefore, let us keep the feast. <laughs>